Weekly News by iGaming Next is brought to you by Playson, quality games since 2012. Hello, everyone. Uh, don't know about you, but 2023 is an absolutely full-on year so far. It seems to be non-stop, and we've got uh, some really cool topics to talk you through again today on another edition of iGaming Next Weekly News Live. Uh, Pierre is busy recording some interviews for the podcast. Uh, Nico Janssen, our good friend, is uh, is in a meeting with investors today. And Connor, who often joins me, is away on a spa day. Ryan, can you believe that? Wow. It's all right for some, isn't it? Okay, nice. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, you, you, our audience is stuck with the same lineup as last <laughs> week. Me and uh, our US editor, Ryan Butler. Uh, but they'll be pleased to know we have got a bit of a special guest later on lined up in the show. So, um, so yeah, stay tuned in. Uh, it's bound to get a lot more exciting um, as Phil Pearson is joining us uh, very shortly to talk about DraftKings and DFS. Um, I'm sure many of you know Phil from LinkedIn. And if you are watching on LinkedIn, please do comment in the, uh, in the chat box. It's great to follow along uh, as you're watching. Um, and yeah, hello to everybody that's tuned in for the start of today's show. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing well. Another uh, beautiful morning here in the US. Good. Lots to write about as always, <laughs> I imagine. Um, okay, let's dive straight into our first topic. Uh, I just teased it there. But basically, this is the news this week that DraftKings... Uh, the you know massive U.S. sports betting operator has suspended its DFS operations in Europe, uh, in countries including Austria, Germany, Ireland, and Malta. Uh, and I think we can bring Phil on right now if he's waiting in the background. Hello, I'm Phil. How are you doing? I'm, I'm in the background of every podcast, just waiting to be tagged in. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us today. How are you? Not a problem. I'm good. I wish I was on a spa day, but I'm I'm all right. I know we could all do it fun, right? I, uh, I think it's a two two day spa trip actually. So uh, he's there today oh, and yeah. tomorrow. Can you believe it? <laughs> he won it won it whilst on a, a game show with Alan Carr. <laughs> nice. That was one of the prizes. They won about twenty prizes. Um, he's been living it up ever since. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Should we talk about DraftKings and and DFS? Let's do it. Uh, so, Phil, I think you had a, a bit of a world exclusive this week, did you? When you uh, you yeah. put the news on LinkedIn, you said your inbox was inundated with people who only just found out that uh, that DraftKings was going to be closing its DFS in, in Europe. No, I had like every media company in gaming asking me how I found out and whatever. But the truth of it is, I play on their site a lot because I'm a big advocate for DFS. I think it's amazing. But... Um, I think I was literally the first person in the world to read that email because it popped up as I was on <laughs> email. It came straight up and I was like, oh, shit. So um, then, yeah, I decided to tell iGaming about it because I thought it was um, kind of game-changing news, to be honest, if they're pulling out. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly what it was. And I, um, it was the first I'd heard of it, actually, seeing your post on LinkedIn. So, um, yeah, we were able to follow up on that and find out a few more details uh, about the story. And I think this probably comes down to DraftKings' overall drive to kind of reduce costs and uh, and improve its profitability because that's that's what it's been struggling with the last two years or so. And investors are getting a bit fed up with uh, with not seeing much of a return. Um, but in terms of you, Phil, I, I guess you were just uh, saddened to see the product go if you're a kind of regular regular player. 
No, I know. I used to, I'm a big fan of the NFL, American sports in general. So it was a lot of fun for me. Plus what they've done with like Premier League and fancy football is really impressive. But for me, it's, it's the only product of its kind that works in Europe. So the fact mm-hmm. that they're giving up on the market, because obviously the interest level is a lot less than it is in the US, because the US sports are very data driven. I mean, they're basically they're powered by Amazon, US sports. But UK sports and European sports aren't, aren't the same kind of statistical games. So yeah. I reckon the, the level of interest here would be lower. But at the same time, I didn't really think it was that expensive to provide the service in, in Europe. I'm, I'm a bit surprised they've pulled out everywhere, especially in Ireland and Malta, which are big kind of gambling markets. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting, actually. So for people who maybe aren't as familiar with it, uh, with DFS, which is obviously daily fantasy sports contests. Um, am I right in thinking then you were actually you were playing on on kind of European facing sports rather than the ones we would imagine in the US, so NFL and baseball and that kind of thing? I was big into NFL. I'm a big NFL fan. Okay, um, I watch it r- religiously. That's the word. And right. I, I go up against all of the the big people every week. I've won a couple, but nothing huge. But at the same time, it's it's incorporating every country because everyone that watches it can play on it as long as you're within one of the eight markets. But the viewership's quite big, especially in the UK and Ireland. So yeah. it's just, it is a bit shocking. They've kind of removed all those players from those markets. Yeah, yeah, shocking is the word. And I think what took most people by surprise was kind of how sudden this announcement was and that it probably came a little bit out of nowhere because uh, obviously you got the email beginning of this week if I'm not mistaken and then they've said uh they're urging customers to withdraw all funds before the 22nd of January uh so big question Phil have you got your funds out yes I did. <laughs> so they were to be fair their customer service is exceptional I'll give them critical emails within five or ten minutes normally um the funds have been withdrawn I mean they sent the email at 10 to midnight on the 17th or the 16th saying that right. by the end of the day coming up, so they literally gave 24 hours and 10 minutes to say to stop kind of playing or to withdraw your funds. And anything that wasn't completed by the 22nd, you have to approach the MGA for. So I'm sure the MGA is thrilled yeah. about the inevitable people <laughs> coming to them for yeah. $25. Yeah, a nice avalanche of admin for uh, for them to deal with that they weren't expecting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought but part of one line in our story said they were asking users to deposit another five dollars just so that their latest uh, account was linked and up to date in to return customer funds. So yeah. that's a little bit cheeky. Mm-hmm. You could argue that might um, you know annoy a few customers, but I think regulatory wise, you have to. I think because of the closed loop system, so right. my MLRO is going to love me for this that I know this. But I think because you have to have <laughs> a transaction on it to withdraw from it. I think it makes sense. But again, if they're just withdrawing and in multi, you can't gamble. There's no sports book or casino. It's just daily fantasy. It's not mm-hmm. like you can really money launder that much anyway. So I thought they'd have just let it pass. But seems not. They're going to make people deposit five euros to withdraw their funds. Yeah, no, really interesting. And obviously you said as well, this was kind of the best version of this you've seen in, in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there any other kind of, company offering an experience that you can now go to with with DraftKings closed down or have you not explored that far yet? I've I've had a look so I was curious as to who the competition was in Europe. There's a couple of really small ones that don't actually do that much but I think the biggest one that we have is Bet365. I think they partnered with Scout 
or it might be Sky, right. I might be wrong. And they're offering kind of daily fantasy on their site, which is similar scoring, but the prize pools are obviously a lot lower. So on DraftKings, this prize in the one I was doing for the NFL was 1.5 million. And I think on Bet365, you're looking at, I think, 3K, 4K. So the actual kind of RTP and the value in it is a lot lower now. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Um, Ryan, uh, obviously you're based in the US. Do you have any questions to fill about uh, about this topic or, you know, what it might mean for DraftKings? I think we'll discuss strategics probably a little bit later once Phil has, has left. But yeah, what are your thoughts about the situation? Yeah, sometimes I wonder if it's just a company that's had a really tough financial year, year plus. Sometimes it's just cutting things just to cut things, you know, and, and sometimes that deals with it too. It almost seems that they just... Um, we're getting into earnings season coming up, and it just, you know, it's a frustrating one. I, I don't know exactly, like you said, how what is the cost, but these are pretty strong gambling markets, especially like Ireland and Malta, exactly like you said. It, it is really surprising, and, and maybe just, again, the bottom line wasn't there. So it's a curious one. I feel bad for you guys. It, it's, um, you know, gambling is very weird here in the U.S., and in DraftKings and FanDuel have done a marvelous job portraying themselves as not gambling uh, for their DFS products. So it's something that we can use, and it's, it's as close as where I live in Florida. It's as close to kind of gambling on an NFL game as I can get, and I like to play those too. So you can imagine that would be a real um, frustration if we had to deal with that. So my final thought is just, uh, Bill, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. I mean, if you've played it for a long time, it's there's a lot of people that you find that are in Europe that play it. There's hundreds of thousands of people on like Facebook groups and stuff. So mm-hmm. it is – even if it's break-even or just profitable, the fact they cut that rather than some of their one billion plus advertising spend that they have on <laughs> partnerships with the NFL, right? and partnerships with coffee companies, and the amount of adverts they run, and the, they sponsor like NFL Red Zone, for example, they sponsor everything. So right. it, the fact that they would cut out markets rather than trim overhead on advertising cost means, I would say, that they're looking at a heavy push i mean a merger if they're closing down that many things abroad which is possible but or a buyout but i can't see that coming right and again then it opens up the whole speculation and the whole regular role does somebody you know does a european major operator a bet 365 or somebody come in and do that and try to get the DraftKings name similar to what flutter did with FanDuel, mm-hmm. which worked out very well for both those parties so that again it might just keep that those rumors going even more. It'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah. DraftKings is a, a bigger note too with it on just a, a quickly on DraftKings is they are closing in on some really important decisions. Their, their bottom line is getting tough. Their cash burn is still really strong, even when their competitors are starting to turn a little bit more. Um, you know, they're getting a little bit better with it. Caesar's just talking about profitable quarters. FanDuel's already um, done it. Obviously a little different there because they're Patty Power um, Flutter. Um, but DraftKings mm-hmm. has got to start making some money here or they could be facing some really tough decisions and again this i think it all kind of ties into this they're gonna have this was a tough one here um and maybe there's gonna be more down the road yeah i think fangio will probably a bit of a influence in this because they've never targeted anywhere outside of 25 26 u.s states so i mean unless they're going to partner over here and try and push into europe but again our sports aren't kind of rhythmic with that kind of formula for sports as you have over there which is the following is huge in america and less popular outside in the european countries unless you watch american sports or soccer as they would call it or as you would call it (laughs) 
right um let's take a little bit of a break there guys just to uh just to say hello to people in the chat so hi to katie and lewis and uh shinaz and also to richard phil who asked a pretty important question at this time of year who will be coming to ice everybody <laughs> everybody <laughs> this year everyone will come to ice because there's no masks there's no covid uh, we have a big stand. We are welcoming anyone who wants to come. There is no loitering rules on our stand. You can come and <laughs> do whatever you want. Well, within reason. Yeah, loiter as much as you like. And you'll be uh, you'll be there representing your new business, Phil, White Label yes. Casinos. Um, so it's probably quite quite a significant ice for you. Yeah, it's the first one we've kind of done separate from our from like the mother companies, it were. I mean, we're still um, shareholded by a gaming group, but we're more of a kind of unique separate entity now so we can go and do whatever we want to do we can mark it in the font ways for example we have a 2.5 meter inflatable giant duck on the stand this year well, which yeah people are allowed to try and climb it as long as they're <laughs> under 35 kilos so that's probably not that many people um yeah, we're, just, we're trying to have some fun we're trying to make it a bit different because gaming is very i mean we look at it gaming is very 18 plus it's very it's like enjoyable. It's something you do for fun. It's something you talk about. It's it's not as strict as people advertise it. So we're trying to change up the narrative a bit on how we promote the business. And for some reason, they let me loose on that. So some crazy stuff might happen. But no, ICE is going to be good. We're expecting like a lot of traffic. Should be 35,000 people there, I think. Yeah, it's going to be a huge event, I think. Like you say, the first one where it's kind of a normal ice um after a few years which people will be looking forward to but yeah if you want to uh if you want to speak to phil look for a giant inflatable duck and yep. uh me and me and connor will be there as well representing our gaming next so um if you want to meet up with us please do get in touch um ice fast approaching which means we're getting towards the end of january and yes. that means phil i'm going to put you on the spot now like i have done with ryan and connor previously and i'm going to ask you for one prediction for 2023 one eye gaming industry prediction uh that will hold you to until the end of the year and you can come back on and and we'll see how successful you are i'm not todd um i'm gonna <laughs> i should really have some of these planned i it, mine's going to be regulatory based in that in some country somewhere something is going to happen that the regulator's power is marginalized it becomes less because what they're doing, like if you look at the UK, if you look at Netherlands or anywhere, they are overstepping boundaries and going way too far. So I think at some point, a yeah. government or a union or something is going to actually make a difference with them. And there will be some players coming in. I think you might see the start of that in 2022, I hope. So I'm going to go a bit out there and say that at some point a regulator will come into some difficulties with some of their plans okay no i think that's interesting i think the right. ukgc in particular has uh has faced mm -hmm. some some proper pushback recently rather than just uh you know the, the everyday murmurings it's it's become accustomed to i think people are getting a bit fed up with the kind of intrusive nature of, of what some operators are being asked from from their customers so i think that's a good prediction uh Good shout, and yeah, we'll we'll see you by the end of this year. But um, Phil, I won't keep you much longer. It's a pleasure to have you mm -hmm. on, as always. Uh, and yeah, see you at ice, I suppose. Absolutely, I'll be there. Someone in the chat asked who's going to win the NFL, so the Kansas City Chiefs is the answer to that one. 
but no it's been a pleasure thank you for having me it's been always fun to talk to you guys so thank you kansas city is a safe bet it's not a bad one (laughs) take care phil it's good to chat thank you you guys bye-bye there we go ryan uh, NFL tips as well as iGaming Insight. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think let's let's just go back to DraftKings before we move on. Um, they had hinted very briefly at this kind of DFS withdrawal uh, during their most recent Q3 2022 results, I and mean, it was just one line where CFO Jason Park said, "In 2023, we expect gross margin to improve slightly." relative to 2022 as we reduce promotional intensity partially offset by new state launches and then it says continued mixed shift out of dfs so i think that means they're basically altering the markets where they're where they're going to be offering dfs and uh then withdrawing from europe is kind of the first we've seen play out of that this year yeah um exactly again like i said with phil it's I think they have to do something with it. <laughs> they they are facing some, again, some tough financial things, even harder than a lot of their competitors. Um, and this is kind of one step with it. Again, this will, we'll be covering that. I'm excited. It's going to be another huge um, earnings call coming up to see what they got going on. Be very curious to see how they did in Q4, which is so important um, for the U.S. sports books. That's for our, our busiest time of the year for betting. So there's a lot of it and just, you know, important things coming up with it. And again, if DraftKings is not able to sustain itself as a company, which it has said it's hoped yeah. to, to be a foundational anchor leading U.S. sports betting and iGaming provider, mm-hmm. it does become very enticing as a potential acquisition target. Again, that's rumors. Who knows? We've been talking about this for, for months and years and all that. But with that brand name, with all it's got going on, it's got its own in-house tech and everything with it. It'll be just very interesting to see what they move, um, how they do it, um, and, and what shareholders are going to respond to it. Yeah, totally. And I think this whole issue of profitability, particularly in the US, you know, first kind of came under the magnifying glass last year. But I think 2023 is when we're really starting to see some firms actually take action. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, kind of how drastic these measures might have to be. Yeah. Um, and maybe closing DFS is a part of that. Phil said it was, you know, small compared to their marketing spend and it is, but maybe it's a case of every little helps right now. Right. Um, and again, sometimes and, it is. Yeah, I think- Sometimes yeah. cuts just look better on paper, even if they aren't practical. Yeah. You know, even if they aren't, it just they can go to and say, "Hey, we are making these these tough, important cuts in order to to get our bottom line a little healthier." Yeah, investors like the sound of that. I can imagine because right. um, I think DraftKings are guided to basically making a loss for every quarter of twenty twenty three, hadn't it? Right. It's same deal, similar to 2022, similar levels of loss. And again, coming when its competitors are saying, we're going to start showing some profits um, in 2023. Yeah. And it's the same. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and crucially, Fangio obviously said it would be profitable for full year 2023, which would be a first for any US right. sports betting operator. But uh, I read some piece this week that said Morgan Stanley uh, and their kind of leisure gaming analyst Stephen Grambling, aptly named Stephen Grambling, uh, he said that DraftKings might be profitable or might report a profitable quarter in Q2. And I think basically his rationale for that was how we've maybe not seen as many new state launches as, as they would have imagined uh, and that they've really kind of consolidated their share uh, in the markets where they are currently live. 
Yeah, that would be huge. I mean, that would be one of the biggest stories of the year if DraftKings was able to pull out a, a Q2 profitability. That'd be great news for them. An interesting thing with it is the California um, not passing their sports betting ballot measure. The DraftKings spent tens of millions of dollars on along with a couple other operators. That actually helps them narrow their runway for profitability. If they were in California, they would have to be They'd be doing it now. If it had passed, it would have passed in November, so uh, late, mid-Q4. They would be still spending so much money on California. California, a market of 40 million people. Uh, you know, that would actually have to – it would be for everybody, um, DraftKings included. Their runway towards profitability would take even longer. This actually might yeah. uh, push that up. So that'll be interesting. Again, this will be their first earnings call since the referendum officially failed. They were kind of projecting that it would um, that were there with it. Um, it's just an, another interesting thing to, to look at DraftKings. So, yeah, with the only state launch that they'll have, they had uh, Maryland in November, Ohio in January. They will have Massachusetts in March. That'll be a little bit later. And, yeah, it has slowed down a little bit. There will be no more state launches coming until um, possibly Maine, which I don't even think Dra DraftKings might not even be there. That's not going to be a very big market. And then you're looking at no more state launches until at earliest best-case scenario would be September uh, 2023, maybe even later. So again, maybe that does kind of help yeah. without huge state launches at DraftKings. Um, you know, no one more note. They have been showing profitability in their iGaming markets. They've been showing profitability in their more established markets, um, their older ones and all that. So you can, again, you can see that there with it. It's just they spend so much on their new markets. And then they obviously, as, as Phil said, they spend a lot on advertising other sponsorships as well. Yeah, no, precisely. Um, and unfortunately, when you know companies are so concentrated on reducing their losses, improving profitability, that kind of thing, uh, when you add the kind of economic environment to that at the same time, one of the unfortunate after effects of that is obviously redundancies um, as they look to cut costs and basically trim staff that are, are kind of no longer deemed essential. Uh, and unfortunately, we're seeing that in just about every market at the moment, we've obviously documented in some detail, some layoffs throughout Malta as, as Genesis Global um, has kind of fallen to pieces. Um, but in the UK as well, uh, a developing story this week about Smarkets, which is uh, an exchange operator predominantly, uh, which has also dabbled in the US in, in Colorado. Uh, they made at least uh, around 20 redundancies in their London office towards the back end of last year. Um, and this won't really come as a surprise to anybody that's been monitoring the UK market closely because the last four or five years, the cost of operation has, has basically skyrocketed um, a little bit to do with what Phil was saying about the new gambling commission guidance, which has demanded really increased safer gambling measures and responsible gambling measures, um, but also kind of source of funds checks, affordability checks and and staff uh sorry companies are really being judged now on how well they know their customers and obviously all of that comes with a you know uh huge costs to to implement safer gambling teams with with, with the requisite know-how um yeah. and when you're not making any money back from that because the regulations are, are tight and and you're kind of scaring off some of those higher value players that maybe don't want to give you their personal information uh, it makes it a very difficult situation. Um, so something has to give. And unfortunately, in this case, it was uh, it was redundancies. Yeah, uh, we're seeing this um, big headlines in the US, Microsoft laying off a, a significant portion of its um, workforce, a couple percentage points, you know, several thousand people 
big company, obviously. Uh, and yeah. tech, going all that time, it's just a tough, we're looking at some tough economic headwinds. I am, this morning and everything too, I'm getting nervous where we're seeing all the doomsday headlines about the debt ceiling in the US and what that might mean for an economic catastrophe in the world. Um, it's just a, you know, it's a tough time here overall for a lot of operators and, you know, you, you feel for it. I, um, you know, it's tough. I think there was an exuberance, especially after the pandemic. There was a lot of tech stocks were booming. There was a lot of, you know, the future is very digital. The future is remote. And we saw that in everything with it. A lot of engineering, a lot of tech people hired all, you know, in, in all these fields. And now, as again, this is, it's harder to borrow money. Things are getting more expensive. There's, again, concerns about long-term profitability for a lot of these tech companies. They're coming under more scrutiny about what they do and what their, their pathway is. Um, and you know, I think you're seeing it. Correction is too strong a word, and I can't say that authoritatively on, on what's going on right now with it. But I, I think we're seeing this across the board. Um, you know, we're, I think we'll, we'll touch on it too. We've seen with Bally's uh, in uh, North American Digital, their interactive division. We're seeing that too. And unfortunately, I think for it's not these aren't going to be the you know the end of it. I think we might be looking at a, a period here where these become more common. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about that. I don't think it's a worrying time right now. And and like you say, 10,000 people, I think, were, were laid off from Microsoft. Um, and that's just the jobs that uh, that ChatGPT is going to take over. So, <laughs> we, no, we, we shouldn't oh. joke. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm worried about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we all should be. We all should be terrified. Um, but no, let's zoom in a bit more on, on Bally's. Um, I think that was a story that broke kind of overnight, uh, certainly here in the UK that I've written up today. So Bally's, um, before we dive in, Ryan, let's uh, let's look at where Bally's Interactive kind of sits in the, in the US online ecosystem. Hang on one second, Jake. I'm so sorry. Mm, <laughs> That's okay. I'm about to sneeze with it. Yeah, so part of it, <laughs> um, part of the, the biggest storyline, unfortunately, we have to look at with Bally's is that they come... I'll give it for a little background for, for people who aren't familiar with the Bayman. The, they, they were a small, very small regional casino operator uh, circa 2017, 2018, where they had a couple casinos and really no destination locations anywhere. Uh, just a small company. They were called Twin River, Twin River Entertainment. They uh, get the Bally's name uh, from Caesars and then starts a huge expansion where they do get a couple. Uh, marquee properties, uh, casino, and they spend a lot, you know, hundreds of millions on this very aggressive digital expansion, including um, uh, our, our local sports teams, our, our, our broadcast on what we call it regional sports networks, our RSNs. They get a, a really big sponsorship deal, which was really kind of shocking to have a casino gambling company in the U.S. Um, sponsor sports. That was that was huge news for us back in 2017, 2018, 2019, around the time the Supreme Court struck down the federal wagering ban. So they, that name gets everywhere. People become familiar with more and more familiar with Bally's. The name itself had a, a sort of resonance as an older name, but has been affiliated with gaming in the U.S. for a long time. Anyway, so they, they spend all of this, these huge, uh, big investments, these big deals and everything with it. And despite all of that, they have been a very small player in the U.S., an incredibly tiny player. Part of it was they said they were taking some time. They had acquired a European company for in-house tech, Gainsys. Uh, with all that, they were integrating. They were going to get their new app. And then they were going to, you know, we were going to integrate um, their, their leaders and said Omnichannel with, through our promotions on the TV, through our sports book, through our iCasino, through our brick-and-mortar casinos, through all of this. We are going to, you know, people are going to come to us because we're going to be everywhere and, and you're not going to be able to avoid us. And, and actually, the people have been avoiding them. Uh, Bally's is just, 
Valley bet is is just a, an afterthought in the, in the really the big. Now, again, U.S. is dominated by or really three companies, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM. Caesars is a solid fourth. And then you have your next tranche or, or wave or whatever with you. That's Barstool, Bet Rivers, and PointsBet. But those three companies there are single digits. And then you have everybody else who is just fighting for scraps, Valley's included. Now, again, they still say that very publicly they're very bullish, that they're going to have a future, that they're going to expand to more states. They're right now only in six states, um, and even some of their other competitors are in even more than that. I mean, uh, you know, Barstool's in a dozen, uh, Bet Rivers is in, in more than that, points bet. And these are the types of companies they're competing with. They're not there. Um, the, 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 the RSNs, which these deals, these television networks are becoming a big controversy, too, about how... Americans are shifting their consumption habits and away from cable and away from these sports packages because the reality is most Americans do not want these RSNs. They don't watch sports. They don't care. Uh, so all these just confusions, these tough things with it. And again, I know that's a lot with it. It's just important to understand the Valley's story, how much they've grown and changed in the last five years. But it's not at the moment. It is not uh, coming back to market share. They, you know, again, they aren't spending as much as, as some of their competitors uh, on advertising and what have you. But they have spent a lot, and they are are not. Uh, they're not get, making much noise in the U.S. despite these headlines, despite what us in the gaming industry are, are find very interesting. The average U.S. better is not going to Valley Bet. They are not going to Valleys. They are not doing what they what they yeah. the initials I hope they would be doing. So I can again, it all ties in. I, you can see. A, with the, micro, the macroeconomic conditions as well, but you can see how valleys would have to make some painful cuts at this time. Yeah, exactly. Awesome context there, Ryan. Um, thank you for that. And uh, the, the, the news today, obviously, is that they've decided to cut 15% of their US interactive division workforce um, as part of this kind of restructuring plan, uh, plan to, to reduce losses. Uh, so the interactive division, just quickly, consists of Ballybet, which is the online sports book you talked about, uh, the Bally Casino kind of digital brand, uh, and then DFS, which is topical, uh, as we've discussed, DraftKings with with Monkey Knife Fight, uh, which is kind of a kind of third third in the market share for DFS in the US. Would you say they're a bit of a disruptor in that space? And I, yeah, I forgot to mention them too. That was another big acquisition tool. Um, I would say Monkey Knife Fight is probably the third. I mean, in the U.S., DFS, it is DraftKings, FanDuel, but yeah, yeah. you could say, I would say Monkey Knife Fight probably it did have a really, it has had a really strong niche audience in the U.S. It's done a really good job, so that was another big acquisition. Um, they had done everything you could think with it: a big DV, DFS, again, a big in-house tech acquisition, um, these sponsorships with the uh, sports networks, yeah. but it's just had, for a lot of reasons it hasn't panned out. Yeah. So what I thought was interesting, right? You've got a public company like this obviously telling its investors that it's going to make layoffs to to save costs. It didn't say how much they think this process is going to save them, but it did say that it's going to cost them 15 million to basically let go of everybody. So I'm not sure how that's going to help, particularly in the eyes of investors. Um, but you, you, interestingly, you mentioned a correction earlier and you said a correction might not be quite right, but this quote from Bally's chief executive, Lee Fenton, I thought was incredibly interesting. Uh, he said, the pandemic boosted our business and we continue to hire at full pelt. I now can see that we may have overhired in some areas and I take full responsibility for that. Which is interesting for several reasons. One is because I think that's probably quite common in this industry. Yeah. Uh, the second bit is that he's actually saying the quiet part out loud, if you like, because I don't think anybody else has acknowledged that. And they probably, 
you know, blame the economic environment for these layoffs or they've hidden behind other various economic curtains um, rather than coming out and saying, perhaps we should have been more careful whilst uh, whilst riding that crest of the wave of, uh, of COVID, if you like. Yeah, uh, again, that's why I'm hesitant to be careful. The correction is a, is a term, it's an official look at it, but when you have officials and you have the, the publicly traded companies saying it, I mean, you, you see it, they're, you know, are at least uh, getting things back right with it. I, I want to be careful again with our word choice there. So yeah, we'll see. They probably, it's when you're not making much money at all and uh, you have big economic headwinds coming your way, you can see why that's the first thing. The most expensive thing is unfortunately yeah. is employees and, and humans are the ones that end up bearing the brunt of these economic issues, these, these stocks, these publicly traded companies. It's so far, it's just kind of the reality of, of where we are. Yep, unfortunately. And uh, just to add some numbers to this story. So for Q3 2022, uh, the North America interactive segment posted a loss of $23 million. Um, and then I think their performance in New York is particularly interesting. So they're one of the nine licensed brands in New York, Ballybet. Uh, and despite the market launching last January, I think they only managed to, to get live in, in July. And so far, they've generated less than $400,000 in, in revenue from New York. And uh, Ryan, how much is it for a license to, <laughs> for online sports uh, being in New York? Uh, it's $10 million or something like that. I, I, I forget off the top of my head. But they also, I, I yeah. forget that, is that revenue before or after the taxes? New York has a 51% tax rate on um gross gaming room without promo deduction so yeah yeah and, that's and then, that's that and it's just that plus they're fighting with resorts world bet which isn't even i mean it's a, it's there it's one of the nine but it's it's almost just kind of like a placeholder it was just there as like a resorts world it's a different uh, getting and all what they're doing it's just a whole so the <laughs> valley bet can't even i mean they're getting less than like one percent market share in a nine person market when it's really eight person, you know, it, it's just they are, are doing very poorly. And what's essentially an important state, yeah. and they're just not getting anything with it. It's it's, it's brutal. Yeah. It's interesting turning it on its head as well, because Games has, historically, which is the company that mer mer the, the European company you mentioned that merged with Valley, were a really successful, profitable UK based listed gaming company that had quite successful casino operations in Asia as well. And uh, obviously, like we've discussed, you know, four years ago, whenever it was, you had to go into the US if you were public. That was all anybody was talking about. Um, and they could be another company similar to Supergroup that we've discussed where they might be kind of regretting uh, letting, their, letting their investors dictate their strategic path. But, you know, what choice do these companies had? Um, I think is only kind of coming out in the wash now that if you're a private company, like we've seen with Bet365, Tipico, biding their time, uh, maybe that was the right play after all. Yeah, or, you know, it's again, those are a little different exemptions where they, they might be able to do something big with it. The problem was when you jumped in a little too late, and I think we saw that. Um, DraftKings and FanDuel were there from day one. As soon as May 18th, uh, to, or May 2018 was when uh, the U.S. sports betting opened up and, and the floodgates sort of began, yeah. and it's sort of like, you either had to have been on the ground there immediately, um, in which they were. So we had DraftKings and Vandal, which obviously had the DFS and were huge players with it. Um, you had BetMGM and Entain to their they got in very early as well. They were there in 2018. They were ready to go. They announced BetMGM 
in 2018. So they're there with it. And then Caesars, William Hill, which, you know, William Hill had actually had a pretty strong presence in the U.S. It was one of the bigger sportsbook operators in the U.S. before PASPA. So they had a little foothold then, too. And we're seeing nobody else has made huge progress otherwise. You know, PointsBet is a really impressive company. I think their product is different. Um, that point, the whole concept of points betting is very interesting, but they were there pretty early, but we're still, they're, they're struggling. Um, Bet Rivers, which is a solid product and they have a, a fairly strong presence in the U.S. and key markets, they're struggling. Um, Penn Entertainment and Barstool, you know, again, kind of the, that different approach where we'll get the media personalities and all that. Again, struggling is a relative term. These Those three companies have a different idea than the other four. But even then, you see that those seven companies that I've mentioned a couple times already, they have 90 plus percent market share. And everybody else is, again, just fighting for scraps. So it's going to be hard to come in. I do think a bet 365 is, you know, got a potential because of everything with it. Typical is very interesting now where they've kind of come on late, um, see what they're going to do with it. But even another one I think that was established, uh, we don't talk about it, but is um, Churchill Downs and Twin Spires. Twin Spires was one of the only gambling options we had in the U.S. where they had horse racing. And it was, you know, relatively well known. A lot of people had those accounts around our big horse races. It's not as big as maybe in Ireland or U.K., but the big races do get attention. Anyway, you thought with their resources, but they had the casinos. They had the, essentially a mobile app already. Um, they exited the market pretty quickly. Uh, Wynn, which, you know, kind of thought also might have a chance there. They had some marquee casinos in the U.S. They had a very big, glitzy advertising campaign with Ben Affleck and Shaquille O'Neal. They, you know, reassess their strategy with it. And again, it's just, it's hard to get there. There's only so many pieces of the pie and we're seeing that a couple people are dominating and it's hard for anyone else to really get their foot in the door. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point that you make as well is that companies like Bally's and and Gamesys, they weren't there from day one, but they also didn't wait until the the chaos had died down. They're kind of in that awkward in-between stage where the, the, the kind of sentiment began to change. Um, and yeah, they're obviously kind of paying the price for that a little bit at the moment, as we see. Um, not that they were to know that at the time, of course. Um, <laughs> right, Ryan, I think uh, we've probably just got one more story to touch on quickly. Um, and when US operators are talking about profitability and saving every penny they can, what they don't want is uh, is huge enforcement action and, and fines being imposed on them by regulators. Uh, which is what we've seen this week with a few sportsbooks, but most recently uh, Caesar's sportsbook, I think. Um, do you yeah. want to talk us through this story? Yes, yeah, I, I liked what uh, Phil was saying earlier, where it's interesting where they had, I follow, following Europe, you go, huge, huge, um, I will use correction, where uh, you know they, there's a big crackdown on European regulators after you know years of kind of wild gambling, whatever you want to call it, and then all that. And then maybe there's that pushback with it. U.S. is interesting. We've kind of in the Wild West in a way where our first few years after sports betting. And now I think our tide is turning towards the regulators and they are starting to flex their muscles here. And this is the latest example in Ohio. So, yeah, $150,000 fine, which in and of itself is, is, is nothing. Caesars didn't even argue it. It's not worth their time. That That's a rounding error to them. They can't even waste they spent since I started talking, they have spent $150,000 on ads and free bets and all that. But this is important for the symbolism of it, where Ohio, which launches January 1st, is a big state, is an important one, important market, a big population, big sports teams, all that, all you have with it. 
they come in and go, you know, no, we are going to take this very seriously. And it was Caesars was specifically cited for not having a conspicuous problem gambling number and for using the term free bet and risk free bet, which I want to talk about as well a little bit separately there. But it shows it to Massachusetts, which has gotten a lot of attention, another big population state, big sports teams. They are going under the most rigorous um, regulator, regulatory standards we've seen of any state of, of 30 plus they are going very intense with it. Um, Maine, which is a smaller state we touched on earlier, but they also are kind of following that Massachusetts model. We are going to see this more and more. States are going to, I think regulators feel more empowered now to go after these, and then they're going to stop it. One of the big things that I just touched on too is also the term of free bet and risk-free bet, those specific terms yeah. and themselves as well. Those were ubiquitous in the U.S. Every single ad was you know, a risk-free bet. And even to even today, Caesars is offering in certain markets $1,200 risk, um, you know, again, risk-free bet. We'll talk about the changes with it. Um, that MGM DraftKings FanDuel, it's pretty standard to do 1000 um, Caesars at one point was doing $3,000 for um, New York when they first went live. It's, you know, those are there with it. But that term also is getting that. So it's explicitly outlawed in Ohio, you or your marketers or anybody else with it. Worth noting that Caesars did attribute the mistake to a third-party affiliate marketer, not their, their direct advertising. So, you know, they kind of passed the buck a little bit. Anyway, regardless, any company you're affiliated with or touch on, you cannot use those terms anymore in Ohio. Massachusetts is going to do the same thing. And then we're going to see this going retroactively to other states. Just to add up an abundance of precaution, these even in states where the terminology is permitted, you're going to see that come back. And they're now using a second chance or try again or whatever have you bets. It's that idea, but risk-free, free bet for new players is just going to be gone from the U.S. And it's an interesting development, again, when that was on every ad for years. Now we're not going to see that. They're going to see that he's kind of scrambling a little bit, I think, in most markets to change that just because, again, it, not every state is the same, but it's something that, so like, for example, Massachusetts, these DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, BetMGM, all your big sports books are undergoing license and review. Um, the regulators are going, well, how come in this state you use that term risk free bet when we don't permit it? You know, what are you doing? Are you guys trying to circumvent our rules? And I think out of precaution, you're going to see them become much more conservative with it. And I think, again, you're going to see regulators feel strengthened to go after it. Uh, worth noting, uh, this is from a local news report in Ohio, but overall it's a million dollars in fines that Ohio regulators have pursued. And this is, we're in week two and a half of sports betting in Ohio. Already they want $1 million going after it. They've gone after BetMGM and DraftKings for similar things what went on with Caesars. They've gone after Barstool for some of their marketing practices. Uh, again, you, I think you, people, it's a copycat system and, and states tend to do what the other states are doing and i think we'll see just a stronger crackdown on the language used how these um sports books advertise and market and it's just interesting that after years of kind of running rack shot and now we're going to see regulators kind of getting their teeth and fighting back yeah exactly no longer a, a free-for-all and kind of let's make as much money as possible um it'll be interesting to see if you know, Ohio is the outlier or whether that's the trend now for, for states that start to regulate, they're going to take a kind of less lenient approach to to regulating sports betting. And I, I do think those those New York Times articles played quite a significant part in that probably because they, as well as the industry itself, they very much put the lobbyists and the regulators under the microscope. Um, yeah. yeah, and and that's likely to have an influence, I'd imagine. Uh, Ryan, we've got through a hell of a lot there in about 45 <laughs> minutes. Um, we'll, I think we'll leave it there because uh, there's only so much our audience can can, can take from us. But um, I just wanted to say thank you uh, to you for joining me, of course. Um, thank you very much to everybody watching and commenting. Thanks to Phil, our special guest, 
Uh, and of course, a big thank you to our sponsors of this weekly news episode, Playson. Uh, we'll be back next week, and I'm pretty sure we are just about to begin the Q4 reporting period. So for those of you that like numbers, <laughs> you love the next few weekly newses. And uh, I've been reliably informed Pierre will be joining us because he, he actually admitted that he loves reading them in his spare time. All so right. there we go. Pierre will be back soon. Uh, but yeah, thanks to everybody. Have a good rest of the day and we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. New York, New York, the city that never sleeps and the gateway to the land of opportunity. A true melting pot where dreams become reality and great ideas come to life. With the U.S. online sports betting and iGaming sectors predicted to generate $10 billion in 2023, there is so much potential to fulfill. The competition is fierce, and nobody said it would be easy. But together, we can make our sector fly. So get ready to learn, connect, and inspire at iGaming Next New York City.